Hi everyone, it's Joakim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. Today I'm talking with Jörne Zene, who is the general manager and senior VP of distribution and BI at Outfit7, the makers of Talking Tom. With Jörne, we talk about being knowledgeable about your market, how you understand the players and the opportunities, and what it looks like to operate with a big gaming IP like Talking Tom. But before we go to the episode, here's a few words from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Favro, a new tool for collaborative planning that more and more game studios are starting to use. It was created by game industry veterans to help studios doing frequent live drops of features and content to get development, marketing and other teams in sync. Check it out, there's a free trial at favro.com. And if you use the promo code ELITEGAMEDEVFABRO, you're gonna get a 25% discount on your purchase. That's favro.com. Are you a mobile game developer who's looking to try something new on the ad creative side? My top pick would be influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific content from your games and Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Go to getigc.com to see some examples. That's getigc.com. At Pollen VC, we're committed to helping game developers improve their financial literacy. That's why we've launched CFO Resources, a new section of our website that hosts a free suite of calculators and financial planning tools to help you plan your business and grow faster. Our financial forecaster tool helps you project cash flows and visualize your ROAS and LTV based on metrics you provide. And if you're a hyper-casual developer, you need to check our hyper-casual velocity calculator. Head over to pollen.vc and click CFO resources to get started. Okay, we're live. Hi, Erne. Welcome to the Elite Game Developers Podcast. Uh, thank you, Joachim. I'm really happy that I can join this podcast and to be a part of this amazing yeah, team be... and guys there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, happy to have you as an addition. Like, uh, first, first off, like I haven't really spoken to anybody regarding Outfit 7 ever, which is an amazing company, uh, interesting things that you've been cooking up there. So it's, it's definitely an interesting discussion. And the first question I usually want to ask is like, how did you make your way into the game industry? Actually, that's a really funny story uh, because my background, it's completely a hardcore finance. I was studying uh, accounting and audits, and I'm also uh, a evaluator for, for the company. So actually, I did in my best uh, job many acquisitions. And uh, this was actually my entering tickets into this uh, company and actually into the business. Uh, I was always a gamer interested in the entire inter- entertainment industry, but I never thought that I would be start working at Outfit 7. And then I, I got a call uh, back in the days from the uh, VP of finance, if there is any chance that I might be interested to join the company. And my first reaction was, okay, about which company we are talking about? Outfit 7, never heard it about it. Uh, then they said, yeah. yeah, it's talking Tom. I say, okay, this is what you need to say. So it's talking Tom. I say, Okay, sounds mm. interesting. What do you want from me? Uh, and he said, yeah, we are actually thinking, you know, we are growing really fast. And we think that we are at that point when this, let's say, the financial BI spine of the company needs to start growing or the proper reporting, how we are doing the things. And uh, yeah, yeah this, this was the funny part then. And I said, okay, let's do the interview. I would like to hear more. 
And the, the first thing that they, they told me is, yeah, come here. We have everything prepared. There is a team waiting for you. Okay. And, you know, the team looked like there were two guys dealing with the dashboards. And that was it. And, okay, what to do now? I was used to have the team. Uh, yeah, find your team. Do your own job. Do whatever you want to do. And bring the BI uh, that is going to be there, that we can use it. Mm. Uh, that was my int enter tickets to the company and how I actually started to work here. Yeah, that's like, was that like, if we go and talk about your role before we go and talk about Talking Tom and this big IP that you guys have there, uh, can you describe your initial role with the company and how that morphed into something that made more sense uh, in the last two years? Yeah, the first role was actually being a senior director of controlling. Uh, but actually, no one knows what controlling was. And I was making a lot of jokes at that time that we are controlling how the guys are using the coffee machines into the company, what they are doing between the floors. That was my, let's say, chip in when I want to introduce myself. Uh, but in reality, we were establishing the entire data tracking system, how our apps were performing. So I'm talking about seven years ago when the entire industry was still growing really fast. And also in our portfolio, we had two flagship apps, which was my talking Tom and my talking Angela. Uh, and we were aiming for something much, much bigger. Uh, so I started on that position and uh, there were no clear tasks what is required from, from my job or my role in the company. Uh, so as I was trying to find my way through. Uh, so at that time, we started to introduce also the proper BI. So checking what is happening out there on the market, working on the benchmark analysis. What are the trends there? How to incorporate the trends from users and from the industry uh, in our product pipeline? How to also connect all these different dots that we had in the company? It was video content. It was core business, so game production, then distribution licensing, how to make it work, because all the ingredient, ingredients were already there. They were maybe just not linked uh, properly together. Uh, and then how my role evolved uh, after, actually, let's say the breaking point was with the acquisition of Outfit7. When we decided that it's a time that company is big enough and uh, our founders wanted to actually step out of it, uh, I was one of uh, playing a quite important part of this team, really small team that was dealing with the entire selling process. After that, when the selling was done and uh, Jinka culture took us over, um, I took over the BI role. So it was actually data and analytics. And I was just extending this part of financial analytics into the, I'm calling them microbiologists because they are dealing really with the small details in the apps. These are the product analytics. And we started to build this proper BI function here. After that, we see we saw that there is a huge potential or that we need to focus much, much more also into the area of distribution. And um, at, in 2050, there was actually no paid user acquisition in the company. But we saw that this is one of the ways that we should take. And our approach was always not use something that is out there on the market and just take it as a grant, but let's say, we wanted to see if the things are really working. So we were testing many things. And we saw because we have a quite specific monetization model, um, at that time was not that common that you monetize through ads, like more than 90% of all of your revenue. So we needed to find a way how to make paid user acquisition sustainable on a long run. So we took a completely mathematical approach, how to calculate the break-even points, how much to spend, what is actually what to do on that side and how to somehow crack the ranks on both platforms. Um, so really my, my evolution in the company was more like, hey, we see that there is a problem. Can we do something with, with that problem or how to solve it? Yes, let's jump over it. Uh, but the things at the end are really connected. So you need to understand how you are performing, how the market is performing and what you want to do. So we wanted to create Outfit 7 even bigger. And this, we make it, we did it, but with joint work of all the teams. So it was also, I'd say, part of my job and part of also other VPs is also cracking those barriers between the departments, creating and working as a one big team. So at the end, mm -hmm. I ended where I am, 
uh, senior VP of my, of distribution and BI. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about this, like how you've structured this entity called distribution that you're talking about, which is more than just the user acquisition, but like it goes into the performance of the game as well. Like, how do you sort of how do you define that that deep? The, the work of distribution then, like if you have a role also on the product side, like is that, is that mainly why you aren't marketing and BI? <laughs> like, can you, can you elaborate more on that? Like, how does it work? If I'm completely honest, I would actually would like to call uh, the distribution and BI or even marketing the thingy or something like that. <laughs> because I really, uh, but this is, I think that also in our DNA, that we don't really care about what the titles are there. We are more focused on what we are doing and why we are doing something. And uh, I want that people, if they are working on something, that they really relate, that they commit themselves into the things. And uh, we saw actually, and we know that distribution is actually right now on the same importance, or even that there is a higher importance in the distribution right now than in uh, creating great apps. Because we know how to create great apps, but it's also important to bring them to the end users, how to convince them to try those great apps and how to play it. So we need to know from the product side what we want to do, what are the, these unique uh, advantage points or even unique selling points that we have in our products. I'm not just talking about games, but also video uh, about physical products, how to sell them, how to translate this fancy technical terms that product is using into the common friendly user talk uh, so that they were, if they, we are talking about uh, multi-layer progression or, or character evolution, you can mm -hmm. simply say, go and have fun with the character because you can be whatever you want or yeah. anxiety-free game. Uh, really simple words that can be used there. Walk the stairs and play the game and you will not fail because of that. Um, yeah. So it's really important that we know what product is dealing with and on the other side also what product needs that they will work on the right things. Um, maybe in the future we will also evolve uh, our department into the marketing and BI or maybe in reality into the thingy. But for me the most yeah. important thing is to know what we are focusing at and what we want to achieve out of it. Right. Uh, going into some concrete examples here like most of the listeners are people who are in game studios. Like a typical game team, even a live game, is consisting of maybe a PM, you know, producer, programmers, artists, uh, um, you know, economy designer, maybe systems mm -hmm. designer. What is your interface to these teams? And does Outfit Seven have different kind of game teams uh, that have interaction with sort of like? departments like your department it's hard for me to judge how the things are set in the other other companies but how i see it here and i i think it's working really well is that there are small agile teams with the strong visual holders on all the fields and that's everyone that is there leading the team so if i'm talking from the distribution side product marketing is for me the let's say the entry point uh, the main entry point when it comes to the communication between the product and the distribution, that they know what the product is thinking about, what is the, this main core idea, and then that they can already at that moment jump in. So they are there in the phase zero or minus one when the idea is just rising up. Um, that they can identify, okay, you are thinking about auto chess game, but what kind of problem you are actually solving? Uh, do you know who are playing? Uh, that this is really a niche product. Okay, when the product sees and finds out that this is a niche product, how can how we we can create it to be more approachable to the users? Okay, think mm -hmm. about the art style. So it's really it really should go back and forth. It's not a straight line. Like yeah. I will do this, 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 this. But it's I'm seeing more it as a circle when the interactions are just going back and forth and people are really working together. Yeah. So it could be even described as like your function is to understand commercial potential for initiatives inside Outfit 7. 
uh, yeah, we can also say that this is one is a small part of my job at the end. Uh, yeah. Not just mine, but of the entire team. Because if you see that on the long run or even on short run, uh, something will not work on the level that we want it's going to work, it's better to kill the app or better to kill the production. Um, we learned this actually through the entire history. So the last 10 years, um, and we also failed, but it's really important that as soon as you see that something is not performing, especially if you have a, such a strong IP that we have, uh, it can actually harm you on the long run because it's harming the entire ecosystem. So simply saying, if you are going to release my talking Tom free and the app is going to, to perform really bad, uh, this is not just harming or it's not going to be just a bad performance of this app, but the users that will experience Tom in the SQL number three, they will then simply assume, okay, if this is a shitty app, then I will not try talking Tom too, uh, or I'm not going into the run again, because you are already setting the expectations. And this is this challenge that you have when you have one really strong IP out there. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, it's like your model sounds sort of like that you're you're sort of like taking it one step ahead with with understanding the market uh, and helping people who are doing creative decisions to understand what they're going into. Like we are aiming in that direction, yes. Yeah, because I, I, I want to sort of like jump into something I wanted to ask a bit later. But how do you think about this kind of like game companies educating their staff about? market awareness and uh, opportunities um, for me it's really crucial that uh, at least the the leads of the teams uh, and the ones that are really working on certain products understand what is out there because then they can create the right decisions or at least think in the right direction if uh, for example if everybody is talking or everyone is going in the direction of uh, vi or something like that, that they should be really strict when they are thinking about it, not just following them and say, okay, this is the next thing that we want to do. Does it really make sense that we go in this direction and follow all others? Or on the other side, if I'm just talking about distribution, when COVID happened, uh, distribution of all apps went up insanely. Thanks God that we are in this industry because we were actually benefiting out of it. But was... And maybe the most straightforward case in this, this uh, situation would be, okay, let's start investing even more to grab more users uh, from the market. But our strategy was a little bit opposite because we are observing the market and we know that it doesn't make sense to spend because users were ju just jumping in. For us, more important thing was how to keep them into the ecosystem because it was free to get them, but it was really hard to keep them because there, is a, there was a huge supply there of different apps. So we are focusing much more in this direction. And this mm -hmm. goes in line because it was not just distribution, also product need to think how to incorporate this focus into the updates, for example. How to keep the user live with the live ops, live events into the game as long as possible and prolongate his life circle into the games. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the efficiency of something like Supercell and their style of independent decisions and empowering the teams? Um, is that good, good style of game making? What do you think? For sure it is. Based on the results that they are achieving, um, for them, this, this model is for sure working. Um, for Outfit 7, um, we were actually thinking about this direction um, but I mentioned it many times today that if you have a strong, one, a strong IP and you are creating the entire ecosystem around it, you cannot leave the teams to go with their own crazy ideas because then things need to be aligned and there are certain processes, certain knowledge that need to be shared. Um, but we also, we are moving into the new IPs where the approach to this is different. And I think that empowerment of people, it's really, really important. Uh, giving them the free will that they can think uh, out of the box. This is the only way how you can create something new and create to become a trendsetter, not just a trend follower. Uh, that's that is the thing how I see it right now. Yeah, uh, let's jump back into kind of like BI, which we were quickly touching base there. 
if you'd be in this kind of like situation where you're building a games company or thinking about building a BI team from scratch, where would you start and how should like this building process proceed? The first thing that I would do, I would simply ask why. Why do I need a BI? Because BI is a really cool thingy uh, and connected with BI is also empowerment, empowerment with data, sharing the dashboards, giving the people access to the, a lot of data. Uh, you, we need to know why we are doing this and what do we want to achieve out of it. Um, the first thing that I would do, uh, I would hire, if I'm really talking about starting everything from scratch, um, not the data scientists, but I would hire guys that are working into the BI in some other companies, especially some market researchers and that kind of things that are dealing with the data, but not going too much into the details. Because mm-hmm. uh, for me, this is a good approach because they will, they will look more from the perspective of users and from perspective of product. Then on top of that, then you start to build also a proper data analytics team because it's important that you know what is happening into the app. But they need to understand and work really closely with the product. So if the product is thinking, I want to develop app in this in this direction, then the analytics need to know. They shouldn't be treated just as a service, but they should be treated as a part of the team. Otherwise, if you are just servicing out the analytics part, then you will get a standard reports without any value. But again, it, things need to work really closely together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is also important here, uh, and how we see it and how we are working on it, uh, it's also user testing. So user research team, proper testing on proper users. Uh, because if you just have a huge BI and you create a data warehouse, uh, at the end, it might happen that you will, you will have just a huge amount of data out there without any meaning, because you will not exactly know what to do with it. Um, so you need some kind of orientation. And maybe you are assuming out of the data that uh, I, I need to go to the simple example. My Talking Tom and Friends was released last year. Uh, and it was the first time where we put it all six characters at once into the game. Uh, and based on our previous experience, it was like, let's give the users um, diversity, so more characters, more interactions, it's going to work. But then after the soft release, we found out that the results are not on the expected level. And what is causing it? Guys are interacting with all the characters, um, the, the retentions were insane for the first few days, but then we saw that there is a drop. And what is causing it? And our, So we were digging into the data, but we couldn't get a clear answer. And then we said, okay, let's do a proper test. Let's start with the diary. So it was something that it was developed into the company. Let's put a bunch of users into the, into the test and observe them through time, how they are behaving into the app and what is motivating them. And we actually find out that giving them six characters at once that are completely doing the things on their own way, it's frustrating them. Um, and they started to play the game more structured. It was like, put them all uh, at the table to eat, then all go with all of them to the toilets, then start playing with them. It was like living the real life. And based on these findings, we actually then uh, identified the clusters of users and start checking how the data is showing these results. And we found out that this is the right direction. So it was no actually more like, like a triangular positioning. When you have three, three points, you can then identify the right dots where to where it makes the most sense to focus at. So it's always a combination of different uh, information that you get, interpret them, and try to find out what is the reason, the re- reason why something is needed, how to do the things, what makes to, uh, sense to do the change. And then do proper A-B testing. Uh, this is also really important when you start with the BI. Test, test, and know what you are testing and why are you testing something. Yeah. Makes total sense. Like, if you're looking into the future of like building up the BI effort at Outfit 7, what are the areas that you are sort of curious about? And what are sort of like, you know, this is definitely something we need to work on. And these are the areas where we're, we don't know yet, but we believe there's some, there could be something there. 
since we have such a huge user base on the TTF side, um, we know that the entire world is not behaving in the same way. And that there are different uh, geos that are complete, playing the same game, having all the KPIs actually the same, but they are, be they are using the app in, in different way. Uh, how to identify those potentials there? So why the users in US market are more using the Tamagotchi part of the game and why the Russian market is more engaged with the mini games? Uh, what mm -hmm. are the reasons behind it? Is this because of the ecosystem? What is there on the stores? Or is this because of the users are so different? What is triggering them? Uh, so this even bigger connection between the, what is happening there on the market and how to implement this into the games. And the second thing that we are now dealing and focusing at it uh, much more is how the generations and how the behavior of users is changing. And these changes, changes are happening on monthly basis. Uh, what are the next thing, uh, things out there that we should be there? That we should think about them right now to try to implement them into the game that we can then benefit and just scrap the cream uh, from users. Um, mm. One of the things uh, for sure is what could be the next thing that could go viral? We know that you cannot aim for the viral thing, but is there something that at least could be sold to the users and to engage them that they will just start organically distribute the game and making the real bus out there on the market? Uh, for me, this is the, one of the directions that we are uh, working on and even more closer collaboration into the R&D process. Yeah, the virality is actually an interesting topic to double click on from, from your perspective. Like, how, do you, how do you tackle like, understanding virality, measuring it, uh, sort of like getting on top of the whole thing? Virality, as I said, it's, it's hard to even identify what virality is. Um, it might be something that uh, there is a bunch of guys that like some features and start making joke out of it, and then it can go viral. So we need to identify those potential points into the game. Uh, or it might be even a hoax. Uh, years ago, when my talking Angela, or actually Ange uh, talking Angela was released, uh, there was a... Um, uh, bots where you you can chat with Angela and there was a hoax going out that uh, there is a someone behind those eyes of Angela. Uh, it was a stupid thingy and actually it could completely harm us but there was a contra effect because users started to check hey is there really something there and the thing could go viral and our distribution because of that went up insanely. And users started to make jokes out of it. So this is one of the things that could be viral. Uh, or I still remember, and this was actually the viral thing in Talking Tom back in the days, the talk back and the poking Tom. That's a really small feature into the game among all other things there. But it was so funny that users were doing it. They were screening it. They were sharing videos of it. How you can poke the Tom or what crazy things you can say to him and he's going to repeat it back. Uh, how to measure it, you can identify when, when things are going viral. And then you can, you can see what is this effect happening on the stores with the different channels of the distribution channels. So it's this because of the search uh, from where the installs are coming. Um, we are also testing actually these virality things uh, with the influencers, uh, with the TV ads, which is like a quite old-fashioned approach to distribution. Uh, but we are using it because the uh, reason behind it, we did a test uh, and we saw that there is a, a bump happening there with the installs. And we are not just getting the users that were familiar with our brand, but we are getting in completely different user base. The ones that are not familiar with the brand, they were maybe not even gamers, but when they saw something on their main communication channel, which is like TV, say, okay, let's give it a try. And we are the first choice because of this. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense to try different things. And, and it's also important that you know how to measure them. Yeah, sure. Like one other sort of like this understanding the players aspect that I'm, I'm really curious about is like if you sort of uh, went down this rabbit hole of how do 
how do survey players do you do surveys for your games and how, how do you how do you approach that um i have a really strong analytical team and they don't like surveys <laughs> and i'm also <laughs> no i'm joking we are doing we are doing uh surveys but we are not doing them often and um we are really strict and going through many reviews what kind of questions we are going to ask because we know that as soon as you are putting something into the game and then expect from the users that they will give you the response you are already biased because you are getting the uh, response just for the most engaged users or of, of specific segment of users that are going to answer you and then on top of that you will you will also get the bipolar answers the ones that will just troll you in and the ones that will just write down the novels in some cases so you also need to know how to ask the right questions um why we are using them um we are using them more for some testing purposes if you are not completely sure uh, where we are exploring for the new ip with those most engaged users or the niche players um what is triggering them the most or what are the uh, most interesting things into the game Yes, for sure, we can benefit out of those questions. But if you are going out there and ask wild questions like, "Do you like this outfit of Angela?" For sure, this cannot be used for this. It's better to have the focus groups in the controlled environment when you can actually go into the more concrete debates and try to figure out uh, through the how the users are playing the game, um, what are the potential pain points in the game, or even the ones that. Uh, make sense to develop even more. Got it. Got it. Hey, let's move on to to the IP uh, side of things with Outfit Seven, which is sort of like the some of the biggest mobile game IPs ever. Talking Tom, um, this this is like something that you guys has have a very strong sort of like uh, you know, aspect to the company. Can you can you talk about the the opportunities and some of the challenges? utilizing this kind of strong IP in, in more game product. Yes, um, it's true. We are one of the unique companies out there with a, such a strong IP on the gaming market. But this is a bless. And on the other side, it's also a curse. Um, it's a curse. Why, is a, why it's a bless? And I will start here. Um, because whatever we are releasing out there, and it's called Talking Tom something or Talking Angela, uh, users already know what they can expect. So because, because of such a quality products and uh, such a huge user base, they exactly know we will find something there that it's going to be on a really high quality when it comes to the art, game design, uh, interactions, uh, engagement with the users. Uh, they will go and they will search for it and we can benefit out just out of talking or Tom um, in the initial stage without any problem with whatever we are releasing. And those users are not just users, but they are actually, in some cases, also ambassadors because they are sharing around the voice of the, of the brand. But on the other side, this is also a curse, as I said. Why it's a curse? Because it's also limiting you if you want to explore different mechanics. It's actually quite predefining what the users expect when they see something from Outfit 7 coming out, or actually not Outfit 7, but actually from Talking, Tom, and Friends. And this is Tamagotchi. It's a fun, it's simulation game. It, uh, these are runners. But for sure, it's really hard that we can go into some kind of strategy game or even RPG game with this IP. Um, why? Uh, because the users that like Talking Tom, for sure they're going to install it, but they will not find any idea or reason why they, they would play it because there is a huge mismatch, uh, mismatch between characters and the IP and the mechanics that you are sending, selling to them. Uh, or also vice versa, you can create a really great uh, match-free game and sell it as a match-free game. But then when the users will come in and see that the influencing character into the game is, for example, my talking Angela, they will say, but I don't want to play this game because this Angela is actually a Tamagotchi game. Uh, and I want to play just a match free. And they also see this mismatch. Why am I pointing out my talking Angela? Uh, because we failed actually and we learned something with this. Uh, with this 
analyzing the markets, the potential cross-app usage, we saw that there is a huge correlation between the female audience uh, in our user base and the user base of match-free games. On the other side, we also find out there is a huge correlation with the, this affinity and cross-app usage between match-free games and my talking Angela game. So if you put one plus one together, makes sense, let's create some match-free game into the Talking Tom and Friends ecosystem. We develop the game, we release it, and not just that, we said, okay, let's be a trendsetters and let's put a new type of match-free game on top of it. So it was not swipe or click, but it was actually like positioning. So it's giving another layer of complexity. And the result was eh, not performing really. And then we went, okay, let's figure it out because it was a fail, but we wanted to learn something out of it. Where is the problem? Is the problem Angela? So we removed Angela out of all the communication channels and we were just sending it as a match-free game. Yes, we were mm -hmm. able to get the user seen, but they were churning out after finding the Angela into the game. And then we did the opposite way. Let's promote Angela as a sequel, um, but keep all the other things as they are in the game. So match-free. We were getting insane amount of users in, but they were just simply not sticking with the game because this was not their type of the game. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as I said, it's a huge bless, but on the other side, it's also giving us certain limitations into the areas where that we can go with our mechanics. Uh, but we also have internal Bible, product Bible for Talking Tom and Friends ecosystem. Uh, through the years, we learned many things and things and we are still learning and we put it down the main requirements when it comes to when it comes to the exploration for the next genre for my talking tom ecosystem and they are really simple anxiety free game um, ads driven game uh, interaction with the character high engagements between user and character fun elements into it uh, so when product is thinking about it okay guys think about these directions. Um, and this is not something, hey, here is the framework, you need to do just this and this, but we know uh, what are the limitations. And it's always good that you have some kind of guideline where to go. Yeah, do, do you think that, that like the, the experiments that you've done so far, you will continue doing this, putting Talking Tom and Friends into casual game experiences and to like experiment if they're gonna work is that still something or did you did you sort of like the match tree experience where you tie in the ip that was that was not a good idea do you think you're still gonna continue trying those kind of combinations for sure we are going to do it and we are doing it even right now um yeah. but we know that there is a, a reason behind it um we want to have the safety net games. We call it them like this. And these are the ones that are actually tailored to our main user base. The ones that are liking Tamagotchi apps, that they like the runners. Um, but there is also this exploration products that we are also releasing and working on them. Strategies to have at least one per year into the ecosystem. And the main reason why is let's find the next mechanics or next genre beside Tamagotchis and the runners that could fit with the user base and even extend the user base to the new users. Um, so there are different uh, options there. One of them, not going into the match-free game, but we went into the Talking Tom pool. Um, we intentionally went in this direction. It is actually a puzzle puzzle game when you have the pool and you need to go Draken's uh, live, uh, but connect those characters together and giving uh, smaller, not that complex challenges, but more fun into it. And it worked out. We actually were able to grab new genre of users into it. Um, or even with the runners. First one was Talking Tom Gold Run. Straightforward, endless runner. But the second app that we released was Talking Tom Hero Dash. And we are not just extending the user base with the mechanics, but also with the flavor of the game. So we put heroes into it. And we were able to attract the users that were not looking that much into the endless runners, not even looking that much just for Talking Tom per se, but looking for something that is heroic, that is cool, that, and that they can engage with. So we were actually able to extend the user base to the completely new segment. And uh, once you have these users into it, 
you can give them much more because we have also cro strong cross promo mechanism. So we are keeping them into this ecosystem. And with this, you are just able to build up the entire user base that you have there with that your sounds, apps and all other products. That sounds all really good. I, I think there's there's so much to take there, take away from that for, for developers. But like you also have now gone into that realm of trying out different kind of games uh, mythic legends this strategy game that's coming out like uh, how did you decide or ma make this decision to move to this kind of new projects uh, which didn't sort of rely on the success that you built with talking tom and others like what did the decision making trial trail look like there um, we had one try I think that's six years ago with a new IP. But maybe the approach that we took at that time, I don't know how to say it. Maybe we were a little bit in front of time or maybe complicating a little bit too much. Um, mm -hmm. But we all all the time knew that we wanted to move also into the new IP. And the reasons behind uh, these are engagement of the people, um, vision of the company, and also, let's say, managing the business risks. Because... Uh, one, if you have just one egg there, even though that this X or the entire the entire bunch of eggs is performing really well, if the basket will fall down, all of them will crash. And we are mainly monetizing through ads. So we actually have two risky points, strong IP. And if something gets wrong with the IP, the entire ecosystem is going to be damaged and ad monetization. Uh, but we, so these are, this is the status quo there. Um, but we want to leverage those risks and we want to move also into the inner purchase uh, direction that we can actually benefit from both sides, from ads where we are really strong and also on the inner purchases where we want to be strong and we want to develop something new. And we are not aiming just for the new game, but actually let's create the entire new universe out there. Um, that's why we were searching internally for the new ideas and then the pitch from our employee came with the mythic legends and in initially this was not actually mythic legends but it was how he sold the pitch because we are doing all the time this internal idea search for the new games new features in the games uh, we want that this is coming out from the people uh, from people he came and say hey guys i was thinking uh, there are many auto chess games out there but they are actually not made for the games uh, for the mobile games uh, they are too complex. Uh, there is too much anxiety into them, too much complexity into it. Um, I think that because of our experience, how to solve those problems for the mobile games, we can make it through. We can crack them. So let's identify what are the actual problems that users are dealing with and let's try to solve them. And it was like this. If you are playing the uh, auto, chess, auto chess or multiplayer game, you need to be there. You need to be really focused into it. How we can eliminate this thing out? Yeah, let's go with the asynchronous play. Yeah, but then the users will not feel that they are actually competing against some other guys. Yeah, let, let's create the game where the, you will be competing with the other guys. Just the match, this positioning on the board was created one day before or even one month before, but the matchmaking will just solve this problem. At the end, you will have anxiety-free game uh, you can play it wherever you want. You can just stop playing it and continue the next day. But you will have this feeling of, I'm going to compete. I'm going to beat those guys in that tournament. And on the other side also, I don't want just to beat them, but I also want to, to own something and to build something together. So it was these learnings that we have from the Talking Tom and Friends uh, IP, how to bring these emotions out of the users was they create an immersive, immersive armies out there, immersive origins, that if someone is not that good into strategy positioning, but he's going to be focused, let's collect all the characters together because this is the cool thing that I want to own. Uh, so at the end, it was a good pitch at the right time uh, with the right direction and the full commitment of the team. Uh, and why we also moved and why we decided to move forward to this um, app was because of a strong visual holder and i believe that this is the crucial ingredients for the every successful game release and game development if you don't have a person there or a team that it's fully committed and really believes in 
in this product, then no data scientists, no mathematicians, no artists, no one will solve the problem because they will be just doing their tasks. You need the guys that will just believe in this product with their heart, their soul, and leave it full time. Yeah. Is it, is it too early to share how it's going with the project now? Um, project is now in the soft release two, going into the soft release three. Uh, plan is that it's going to be uh, released in the following months. Uh, results are looking amazing. Uh, so that's it. Yeah, actually, they are, um, we released it in many countries and uh, you can check it out there and see what is happening. So if you're talking about soft launch one, soft launch release one, two, and three. So do you can you elaborate? Is there some gates that you guys want to follow that you are sure that it goes forward? Um, yeah, but, um, going into this segment, it's also for us a completely new area, not just from the production side, but also how to analyze the game and understand how it's performing. It's not the same. If you are really... Um, if you really know how to deal with the ads-driven games, uh, how to calculate the LTVs, uh, here is a completely different approach. And we wanted to figure out first, this is with all the tests that we are doing, if the game will stick with the core audience and how it's going to perform with the broad ones. Because we know that we don't want to go in the direction, let's try to find our place um, in this completely niche saturated market but let's benefit out of the knowledge that we have so we can go wild we know how to sell it and we know how to keep the users in so let's see if it's going to work on the broad audience um, how the users are interacting in the game and what's what is actually triggering them that they will stay with the game what is triggering them to do the first in a purchase and how the value is built um, in the long run that's why so many not so many actually just free soft releases till now and many IP tests in between, um, we are evolving app through stages. Uh, and right now we are working on the monetization, which is the most complex one, uh, but more on this A-B testing, what we can get out of it. And yeah. I believe that this is actually really important for every game that it's, it goes into this in, the, uh, in a purchase oriented monetization, but also for the ads driven games that you know mm -hmm. What are the stages? What do we want to test? And start testing as soon as possible. Going out with the branches, not go with the full developed product because you may find out that you are creating the space shuttle, but the users simply wanted the bike. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Hey, I, I want to go into our final questions here. Uh, can you name your favorite book and why it is your favorite book? Um, it's a solitary mystery. Uh, it, the, author, uh, the author of the book is actually uh, the same one as wrote Sophia's Word. So this philosophical book for kids. Um, why I like it, I, I, can, I first read the Sophia's Word, but then I came across this book and it was like, okay, let's try it. And the book is so weird and crazy and it's connecting back and forth, different situations, locations. But on the other side, it's so grounded that I just simply couldn't stop reading it. Uh, I don't want to reveal more, but for me, it's like, it's crazy book and I like crazy things. <laughs> okay, <laughs> need to check that out. Um, do you have a story from your life that shaped you in how you approach your your work today um the guys in the company knows me that i'm more like a guerrilla style one i i like pragmatism i like hands-on on the things and i like this farmer logic don't complicate too much uh talk communicate more try to find the solution and don't overthink the things um what i also learned into the outfit seven actually is um, the way how we are working and that the solution is usually one layer lower that you don't need to go in really complex things a simple example if the game is it's not performing or not just performing if the guys from the product came to me and say hey your guys didn't actually deli deliver me the results that i want and the they might say okay the problem is that the analyst is not good enough 
But actually the problem is, have you explained him what kind of report do you want or what you are looking at? I say, not really. I assume that he knows what he needs to do. And the answer is, guys, no assumptions. Assumptions are simply making ass out of you and me. So mm. I learned it in the hard way. Uh, and I, I'm pushing it through through the entire team because I know that this is the way how, how we should work. And uh, this is actually why Outfit 7 is also working in this way. We are small, but we are all over the place in the positive direction. That's really good. Hey, Jernie, this was really good. I, I, I want to ask you a final question. Like if there's people out there who, who want to sort of like ask you any questions, what's the best way for them to co- get in contact with you? Uh, you can just check on our website when they can find the most common contact points with me but otherwise i'm out there on linkedin um check me on the facebook you can follow me on instagram uh, just don't uh if you are going to follow me on instagram please don't be scared about some crazy photos of dirt bikes and that kind of things it's me there yeah, <laughs> and i'm not going to share cool. anything connected with the with the work yeah yeah that makes sense Hey, uh, hope you have a good day. This was really fun, fun chatting with you and uh, good luck with uh, the game now. Thanks. Uh, I really enjoyed the talk. I hope I didn't uh, bullshit too many things and I didn't <laughs> use too many farmer, uh, too, too much farmer uh, language out there. Now there was some good farming insight here. So it was good. <laughs> cool. Thanks. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, man. See you. Bye-bye. Ciao. If you like our content, please do hit follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And in the meantime, please do go and check out our weekly newsletter at EliteGameDevelopers.com newsletter. It's going to go out on Friday mornings where I share all the interest areas for myself in gaming startups. So check it out and I'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.